Yes. Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. In this episode, I'm going to play some audio highlights from a special event last year. I hadn't done anything with the audio yet, but we did cover it in Word and Way magazine. It was called Beating Guns. It was a 37-city tour by activist Michael Martin and Shane Claiborne. And actually, first of all, they have a book called Beating Guns, Hope for People Who Are Weary of Violence. And it's a fantastic book. I encourage you to check it out. And then as they launched the book, they also went around the country to talk about gun violence, to have local stories about how gun violence was impacting and devastating local communities. And then the highlight, the key aspect of the event would be that they would take a gun and the participants who had gathered, those who had shared their stories of violence and heartbreak would be invited to head over to the blacksmith anvil. Michael Martin is a blacksmith and beat on that gun, you heard some of the hammering at the start of this episode, to beat on that gun until it was being turned into a garden tool. And in doing this, they were looking for a modern way of thinking about the prophetic vision of Isaiah and Micah, who both told of a world where people beat their swords into plowshares. It really was a powerful event. I happened to be able to attend the one in Missouri that was co-sponsored by ChurchNet and Missouri Faith Voices. It was held at Quinn Chapel AME Church, which was also a fascinating part of the event because the AME Church denomination, their logo includes a cross with an anvil, a blacksmith anvil. And the latter symbol is there as a symbol of strength of their people and a reminder that the first church in the historically black AME denomination was started in a blacksmith shop. And so there we were worshiping with an anvil and a hammer and a forge. As we lamented the devastation of gun violence, and prophetically imagined a better world. Like I said, we had an essay about the event, several photos in the magazine, and I just hadn't done anything with the audio. And as I was sitting in the state capitol recently, I happened to be there on a day when a large group from Moms Demand Action had showed up. This is a group across the country that is pushing for some common sense, life-saving gun control measures. And they were at the state capitol to advocate, to push state legislators to finally pass some of these bills. And I saw some of the individuals there in their red shirts, their Moms Demand Action red shirts. And I saw some of the ones who had actually had attended the Beating Guns event. And so I was reminded that it was time to to finally deal with this audio and play some highlights because it's, it's a critical topic. It's just as important this year as it was last year. I really hope that the church 
can help lead the way in dealing with the problem of gun violence in our communities and offering that prophetic vision for a better way, a better world. Now, the actual event lasted almost two hours. We're only going to hear about 10% of that in this particular program, but I want to just give you a taste of what's happening, and then I hope that when it's done, you'll check out the book Beating Guns, and that you can find ways that you can engage in this prophetic vision in your own city and your own church. Cassandra Gould, who's the executive director of Missouri Faith Voices and at the time was pastor of the host church, opened up the event and she had a, a few remarks kind of thinking about why we were gathering for this particular event. I was listening earlier um, to uh, one of our guests, Pastor Brooks, uh, from Chicago, and I tweeted a quote. Um, he said that there are no God-forsaken places only um, places that the church has forsaken. Um, yeah. And I have endeavored, I'm a part of a denomination that has endeavored to make sure that there are no places on earth that the church has forsaken. Right. That there are no issues that are too difficult for the church to deal with. Right. That people who live sometimes in shame and, and who are traumatized by systems um, have a safe place to come and a safe place to share um, those experiences. And um, gun violence is one of those um, situations. Um, it is something that uh, has been used socially and politically to divide us. This particular Beating Guns event just happened to have been scheduled. It was just based on their bus routes across the country. It just happened to be scheduled on the 50th anniversary of the last sermon by Martin Luther King Jr., that that Baptist preacher gave the day before he was assassinated. And so because of that, we felt like we needed to honor his vision, his vision for a world of peace and nonviolence, and as someone who lost his life from gun violence. So W.T. Edmondson, associate pastor of Second Baptist Church in Jefferson City, Missouri, read an excerpt from MLK's last sermon 50 years ago to that evening. You may recall that W.T. was actually our guest on our previous episode, episode 109, and I encourage you to check that out if you haven't heard it. W.T. read a little bit longer section than what I'm going to play. He, he first read the part where King is talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan, reminding people what happened, mentioning some of the reasons why people think the priest and the Levite might have continued to pass on by, and also recounting seeing that road himself during a visit to the Holy Land. And then King continued, and here's what else he had to say, as read by W.T. Edmondson. That's a dangerous road. In the days of Jesus, it came to be known as the bloody path. You know, it's possible that the priests and the Levites looked over that man on the ground and wondered if the robber was still around. Or is it possible that they felt that the man on the ground was really faking. And he was acting like he had been robbed and hurt in order to seize them over there, lure them there for a quick and easy seizure. And so the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, to me. But then the Good Samaritan came back and he reversed that question. If I do not stop to help this man, 
what will happen to him? That's the question before us tonight. Not if I stop to help the sanitation worker, what will happen to all of the hours that I usually spend in my office every day and every week as a pastor? The question is not if I stop to help this man in need, what would happen to me if I do not stop to help the sanitation worker? That, what would happen to them? That is the question. What will happen to them? Let us rise up tonight with a greater readiness. Let us stand with greater determination and let us move from these powerful days. Powerful days. These days of challenge. These days of challenge. To make America what it ought to be. To make America what it ought to be. We have an opportunity to make America a better nation. A better nation. A better nation. A key part of the event that I attended, as well as the beating gun events in the other 36 cities, was to have local testimonies about the real impact of gun violence in that community. Cassandra Gould actually told a story about losing her own father in a different community to gun violence many years ago. And then there was also a student at the nearby Lincoln University, just down the street from the church we were meeting. The, the previous semester, two different Lincoln students had been killed in separate incidents of gun violence, and a student who was a friend to both of them came and shared a very powerful testimony about the lingering and continuing impact that has had. So here's a little bit of what Tilly Watson, the student at Lincoln University, had to say at the Beating Guns event. It's only 108 days that two lives were taken from us at the pull of a trigger. They were our two sons, two brothers, two friends, two life-impacting men, they were killed. Two students, two church members, two world-changing lives that were taken right here in Jefferson City. Two 23-year-old young men were shot and killed. Gun violence. What is gun violence, you say? Well, it's an act of violence committed by a gun. You're just watching it on the news. But as for Sharon's family, as for D'Angelo's family, as for Lincoln University, as for me, as for us, gun violence is heartbreak. Gun violence is two of our very own loved ones taken with the bullet trick. Two men, two 23-year-old young men, these were sons. These were brothers, these were best friends, these were mentors. Gun violence doesn't care if you could change the world. It doesn't care if you left Chicago to get away from it. It doesn't care that you have friends and family who love you. And they're going to be left suffering for days, for months, for years on end. Gun violence is senseless. It's heartless. It's just a pull of the trigger. So when I was asked to share what impact gun violence has made in my life, I didn't have to dig too deep. Because for me, for Sharon's family, for D'Angelo's family, for Lincoln University, gun violence is real. Gun violence is evil. And it is gut-wrenching. 
It is pure devastation. Gun violence is losing two individuals that we love wholeheartedly in a matter of just three and a half months at a full of children. How has gun violence affected me? It's taken my heart. It's consumed my soul. It left me with could-have-beens and should-have-beens, memories. We've had to face holidays without them. We've had to face both of their 24th birthdays empty and without them. We were supposed to be going to graduations, not funerals. Unfinished degrees, unfinished memories, all the whole So this evening, I don't just speak for me. I don't just speak for Sharon, for D'Angelo, for their families. Today I speak for anyone who's been affected by gun violence. Gun violence isn't just found in Chicago. It isn't just found in St. Louis. It isn't just something you hear about in the news. Gun violence is everywhere. Now the main speaker of the event, of course, was Shane Claiborne, part of the Beating Guns duo. While Michael Martin would lead the blacksmith time outside, we were first inside the church talking about and thinking about gun violence. And so Shane particularly led that conversation. We're going to hear a couple different clips from him. Here's the first one is Shane's talking about the mission of, of why they're even doing this. We started this, uh, you, Pastor Cassandra, used the, the word prophetic imagination. And Walter Brueggemann uh, wrote a book called Prophetic Imagination. He's a wonderful friend and scholar. And, uh, but he says sometimes we misunderstand the prophets like Mike and Isaiah. We think that they were foretelling the future, predicting the future, but they were actually naming the present. And they were trying to change the trajectory with which we're headed. And, and those prophets, um, Mike and Isaiah, cast this vision of beating swords into plows and spears into pruning hooks, of turning our tools of death into tools of life. And that inspired both of us uh, about six or so years ago. And in Philadelphia, we had seen too many uh, lives lost on our corners and too many memorials in our neighborhood. Um, and we, we uh, uh, found out that we've got more guns than people in the U.S. And so we invited people to start donating them. The first gun that we had donated was an AK-47, uh, one of those guns that's created to kill as many people as possible as quickly as possible. And actually, is not just a military gun, but was used on our block this year to shoot 39 rounds in less than a minute and kill two people. So that's the reality, right, that we live in. And um, Mike, hundreds of miles away um, in Colorado, also had an AK-47 donated as one of their first tools or first weapons that they turned into tools. And so we kicked off this tour, 37 cities by chopping up an AK-47. So we brought it here tonight. Let me grab it. Oh, grab it. And uh, uh, it looks a lot better like this, chopped in half. And uh, this is how we feel about your mandatory semi-automatic bill in Missouri. <laughs> we chopped that up. We're going to leave it up here because it's a holy thing now that it's disarmed and represents the beginning of that vision. And uh, and, uh, and then a couple other uh, tools that show that prophetic imagination, right? That something that was created to kill can be, become something new. And that's what we're celebrating tonight. And even our communities can uh, be transformed, 
right? So you, we don't have to settle for the way that things are right now. So this was uh, the first tool that Mike and I made together. It um, is, is sort of meaningful and significant because this was a Philadelphia gun. This was a handgun that we found in an abandoned house. We're trying as hard as we can to create affordable housing for families that need it. My buddy went into an abandoned house, found a, a fully operable handgun there. And, um, and so he took it and brought it to us and we turned it into this tool. But it's also significant because we felt, as we were doing this, moved by the spirit that day to invite the moms and dads who had lost their kids in our city to take the hammer. And we had one mom and dad after another um, that beat on that barrel. But one in particular I will never forget, Miss Ryan. She had a picture of her son on her jacket who was killed in a random shooting in Philly. And she started beating on that gun, on this gun. And with every thump of the hammer from the depths of her soul, she began to wail. And she just said, this is for my boy. And I think it was that in that moment that we realized that what we're doing tonight, what you will be invited to participate in, um, is much bigger than just transforming a gun into a garden tool. It's giving space for public lament and for grief. And also to do something concrete, right, in a matter of one hour that we're going to see something change. And sometimes that's what we need right now, right? It is more than thoughts and prayers. We need to see something change, right? And so we're going to lay that one here too. We'll be right back. But first, I want to let you know about a couple of special offers from Warden Way Magazine. You enjoy the podcast, but if you're not a subscriber to our award-winning monthly magazine, you really are still missing out. And I want to make it easier for you to try it. $9.95 for one year, that's 50% off. All you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. That's tinyurl.com slash wwoffer and try out our monthly magazine. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. And for those of you who are subscribers, thank you. If you would like to help some of your friends at your church also subscribe to Word and Way, we have an offer for you as well. We'll send a bundle of issues from one month that can be distributed for free at your church so that other people can check out Word and Way and see why they too should want to subscribe. And all you have to do is go to tinyurl.com slash wwbundle and we will send that free bundle to your church to be distributed. That's tinyurl.com slash wwbundle. Now here's the rest of our conversation. It's important that we understand the problem of gun violence. And so then Shane, of course, spent some time talking about some gun statistics. Here's just one of those sections as he clearly documented that this is a real and significant problem in our country. You know, there's, there's folks who say that this is not a gun problem. It's a heart problem. And what we're going to invite us to think about tonight is that it's both, right? We've got a gun problem and a heart problem. We can get rid of every gun in America, and we would still have racism, we would still have violence, and it, it finds new iterations. And even now, we've seen someone uh, create a bomb out of a pressure cooker in the Boston Marathon, so we will find ways to hurt each other. But guns do create a unique capacity to take life. And, um, and as we think of those who have died, many of whom we've already remembered tonight, um, we want to kind of ground ourselves in. Tonight's going to move from uh, heavy to hope, right? We're moving from literally a gun 
to a garden tool. So we're going to move towards the hope, but to honor the crisis that we're in, I do want to just offer a few of the realities that we currently face. And after each of these, I'll invite you, um, if you want to, just to say, Lord, have mercy. Okay, as a, as a prayer together. Lord, have mercy. We have 5% of the world's population, but almost half the world's guns in the U.S. We manufacture in the U.S. nine and a half million guns a year, 26,000 guns per day, 18 guns a minute, one gun every three seconds. We've got nearly five times more gun dealers than McDonald's restaurants. That's not arguing for more McDonald's. <laughs> right now, we're losing 105 lives a day, 38,000 lives a year. And that number has not dropped below 32,000 in the last 40 years. So, what that means is in two decades, 20 years, we've lost more lives to guns than in a 250 years worth of war. Almost half of Americans say that they know someone personally who has been shot. Almost half. But this isn't just some political or public advocacy thing. This is a religious issue. And Shane moved that conversation that direction by first telling a story about a Good Friday service that he and some others in his Christian community, The Simple Way, have held in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So here's part of that story that Shane told. The most powerful service that we have was on Good Friday, right before Easter. The young men in my neighborhood carried the cross, an eight-foot cross, and we put it in front of the gun shop. And um, we read the story of Jesus' violent death. And... and uh, the women weeping at the foot of the cross. And then uh, we felt moved by the Spirit to invite the moms and the dads in our neighborhood to share their own stories, their own grief. And they came forward one after another uh, talking about losing their kids. And that it was something happened where it was like the tears of our moms met the tears of those women 2,000 years ago. And um, after that service, this uh, woman came up to me and she was shaking. And she said, I get it, I get it. I said, what? And she said, God knows what it feels like to lose your son. And so tonight we want to, to cling to that hope and that, that, that reality that our God knows what it feels like to be born a refugee, to be violently tortured and executed, to uh, God knows what it feels like to see your son die. So we, we take courage in that. Um, and yet we also take courage in that, that hope that life is more powerful than death. And it didn't exactly feel like that then, you know. But my friend said, like, how powerful must it be that even God feel, felt the absence of God when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then particularly reflecting on the spiritual nature of this mission, this beating guns idea, Shane went on to say this. We, uh, Together, you know, first with a heavy heart, but also with that hope of the prophets that that we can see a world turn from death to life. And we can uh, imagine and enact that world where we beat swords in the clouds and, 
the last thing I, I want to share um, is that it's also gun violence is a spiritual crisis in the church because we uh, one of the things that we found as we were researching is that that Christians and let me say white evangelical Christians to be specific own guns at a higher rate than the general population. So two thirds of Americans, two thirds of Americans live without guns, but over 40% of white evangelicals own a gun. And we have many pastors that are saying, you need to bring your guns to church. So we have a different spin on that. We say, you can bring your guns to church and we're gonna lay them at the altar and shop them up. One of my friends said, let me show you how bad it is. And uh, he gave me this Bible case. He said, this is one of the top selling Bible cases in the entire country right now. I'm like, all right, don't look like much. You go, open it up. And when I opened it up, I, saw, I found that it's actually a Bible case that is designed to carry a gun to church. And it is marketed to Christians. There's something wrong with that, right? Like that is disgusting. It is a form of idolatry, right? Where we have, are putting uh, God-like power in something that is not God. We are fusing two things that cannot coexist uh, together because the cross and the gun give us two very different versions of power. Right? They show us two very different narratives. One says there's something worth dying for it. The other says there's something worth killing for it. And the NRA's idea of standing your ground flies in the face of Jesus' command to love our enemy and turn the other cheek. Amen. So After Shane got done talking, it was time to head outside and to actually put this faith into action. To, to actually start doing what we'd been talking about. This particular Beating Guns event had Jonathan Brooks, a pastor in Chicago who was traveling with the, the group for just a couple of days on their bus. And he happened to be at this one. And he had already led some singing earlier in the service. And he led the group in singing down by the riverside as we marched our way outside to start beating a gun. Down by the riverside. Down by the riverside. The night before in Kansas City, Kansas, the group there had started the work of turning a gun into a garden tool. And we would finish that one. That would be the garden tool that would be finished at this service. And then the one that we would start, the one that we would be hammering on, would be finished at the next event a couple of days later in Minneapolis, Minnesota. This process connected the cities and the people along the way because we are connected. We are all touched by the plague of gun violence. So as we gathered out there, it was a time for people to pick up the hammer, to beat that gun, to transform that weapon into a plowshare. Sometimes people would call out a particular event. Some people mentioned someone that they knew locally. Others mentioned national events that had garnered a lot of attention as to who they were honoring, who they were remembering as they were swinging the hammer and beating the gun. 33 lives lost to Virginia Tech.
As the time continued, Jonathan Brooks started leading us in singing again, We Shall Overcome, a song that was particularly popularized in the civil rights movement with MLK and others. We shall overcome someday. was a powerful night, a time of thinking about the prophetic vision of Isaiah and Micah, prophets that we need again today, prophets like Michael and Shane and Jonathan, prophets like W.T. and MLK and prophets like Cassandra and Tilly that are helping us to recognize, are, are demanding that we remember the world is not the way it should be, that we must not accept that the world is as it must always be. That we shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. You can learn more about this blacksmithing ministry of Michael Barton and others at rawtools.org. That's rawtools.org. Don't forget to check out the book that Michael Martin and Shane Claiborne wrote on this topic. It deals with a lot of the things that you heard little snippets of and much, much more. Beating Guns, Hope for People Who Are Weary of Nonviolence. As always, you can find us at wordandway.org. And don't forget to check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook. And head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to donate to support this program, we greatly appreciate it. And all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there will help support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And speaking of the magazine, don't forget those special offers. You can order a bundle at tinyurl.com slash wwbundle, or you can get your own subscription for 50% off at tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. If you have any comments or feedback, please send them to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.